because I recognize the money I've earned isn't all the money that I'll ever make. And today it's not all the money that ever will be. It's the orchard that exists in the seed. Yep. Hey, this is the Money Hole Podcast. I am Chris Lamb. This is a conversation with a friend where we talk about good people, good money. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. Today, I'm here with my good friend, Mitch Santala. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, yours, your podcast was actually the first one I ever did. I told you that the other day. Come on, yeah. yeah. The whole enchilada, baby. Yep, and you guys still have that out there, right? We do, yeah. We got three seasons. Uh, we're kind of in a bit of a pause on it right now, just kind of letting it simmer, figuring out what we might do. And then I just joined the Hard But Worth It podcast with Kirk Wayman over at Icon Coaching. So we're having some fun, yeah, sowing some seeds, I've seen it. some good chatter out there, and I enjoy it. It's fun. It's very good. Yeah. Well, that's part of the reason why I reached out to you. You were on my list, but one of the things, Mitch, I, I wanted to ask you, and I've been thinking about it this week, is you know, when I was younger, we talk about money here, just in case you yeah, don't know. But I when, figured that. When I was young, I, I realized you know, in my later years that I had a bad equation for money. Money equaled, you know, and it equals something different for everybody. So one of the things I always like to ask people is, what were your earliest memories about money and where did those beliefs come from? Yeah. Wow, that's a great question. So you're taking me back. You're taking me back. <laughs> back to the good days. We won't days. say how far. The good days when it was good to, when when the good stuff was on TV, you could play out in the street with the street lights on. Family I matters. Mean, it, was, it was the sandlot yep. oh, yeah. environment. That was my era. My dad was a hard worker. We were, we were considered probably lower middle class. I mm -hmm. mean, you think of lower class in the United States compared to the rest of the world. It, you can't even compare those no. charts are two different things, but no. grew up in Southern California, a little city called La Puente, hmm. which is right off of West Covina. So born and raised there. I was actually, um, as, a, as a white boy, I was a minority. I yep. grew up with uh, more friends in my neighborhood. They were Latinos, Mexicans, uh, some of my best friends today. And then uh, more ethnicity. My neighbors were black. I had some Asians and then a lot of Hispanic. That's why I love the whole Enchilada podcast, okay. which talks about life leadership and really good Mexican food, yeah. right? But my dad was a hard worker and we didn't have a lot of money. And so uh, I think my dad was an incredible provider. And as, as I grew older, looking back, I realized how poor we really were. But I think my dad and my mom, his work ethic and my mom's ability to make a lot from a little. Mm -hmm. uh, I never knew I was poor. Yeah, And so she made the, the simplest things like birthdays, beach days, uh, weekends where we would have our go out to eat every payday. We had, a, it was a special moment we look forward to. And even though it might've been you know, there was this place in West Covina called State Corral, and it's, you know, it's not Ruth's Chris. Mm -hmm. But for us, I mean, it, we looked forward to that. It was a party. So I think we had little money, 
but I had a sense of you could do a lot with a little. Mm -hmm. And that mindset has carried over into me. And I I thank uh, my parents for that. They planted those seeds where they didn't allow their resources to define the life they were going to live. And there are limitations, I'm sure, sure, struggles I never knew about. But I felt like I lived a pretty big life wow. on a pretty small budget. It sounds like it. Yeah. That's cool. Well, <clears throat> she sounds like an incredible lady. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She sounds amazing. My mom was very similar to that. Um, we we did not really know it until high school. And around high school, that was my first time where I, w- I remember being exposed to families who had more money. Yeah. And so I think for me at the time, it was it was more of just learning to deal with insecurity. Sure. And and then I just think having a belief system that money equals happiness. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the reasons we have these conversations is because 22 years of doing mortgage lending f- with people f- all over the spectrum and people who are excellent, like doctors, lawyers, attorneys, you know, in nonprofits and actors and, you know, plumbers and white collar people, blue collar people, I've noticed that everyone has something that they think about money and, or they don't think about it enough, you know? And so one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on was to talk a little bit about that. So tell me for you, at what point do you remember that shifting or sort of a turning point where you realized that you needed to make it or that there was? Yeah. Yeah, for me, um, so my my early journey was playing sports too. So I was at the baseball field uh, from the point, I mean, at T-ball. And I played baseball all the way through uh, my first two years out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I went all the way into some independent scouting, semi-pro type ball, thinking that was going to be my lane. And the, the drive for me in professional baseball was not money. Of course, you know, I would have loved that as a byproduct. Anyone would. I mean, baseball makes a ton of money. But my drive showed up early on, which was this sense of um, I was looking for approval. Mm -hmm. And so I found that if I excelled on the stage of sports, I got my coaches and my leaders to approve of me. And that was in part connected to, to, to my dad. And, and although my dad was a, a wonderful dad, amazing dad, um, you know, he, he wasn't the perfect father. Sure. And, and as a result, I think in my desire to, to have my dad not working so hard, providing um, and showing up in my life, I found those surrogate fathers to give me that affirmation. Mm-hmm. So there it was. And I think in that pursuit... I began to realize that um, I didn't have uh, all the money that maybe I needed. And I, yeah. that's where I started to probably bump into some limitations, realizing, okay. wait a second, there are some real uh, costs associated with dreams. Yep. And there's some planning involved. I can't just fumble my way through this. I can't yeah. just show up and and have a great idea or a great dream and just expect the universe to, to throw money in my lap. And, and yeah. so all of a sudden I had to size it up and really determine, I think, the cost. Was I willing to, to, to pay the price to do the work that mm-hmm. it was going to take to, to be a professional baseball player and to invest in that? And, and uh, I think that's where I probably started to realize 
money plays a role yep. in your dreams. Yeah. Uh, thank thank God for my parents. I had the 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 idea that I might be able to be a professional baseball player. I mean, I would sit in Southern California, go to the Dodger games. I was a catcher. And I would sit behind Mike Sosha at the time. He was wow. a catcher and I was like, I'm taking his spot. I mean, I really believed it. And uh and I and I think that was seeded in me from having this sense of parents that said, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna uh cause the size of our lifestyle to be determined by our wallet, mm -hmm. but we're going to get behind your dreams. But there is a real tension. Yeah. There's a, there's a size of a dream and there's a cost to that dream. You know, vision and provision, they go together. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, we like to get excited about a vision, but we don't turn to the other side and go, now what's this going to cost? Where am I? Where do I want to go? Let me subtract and do the math and go, okay, now there's a gap here. Yep. That's a number. Am I going to reduce my vision down to live small or am I going to grow my my vision and my provision to actually realize a dream fulfilled? Totally. And so I think I think I began to wrestle with that probably around then. Yeah, I had a <clears throat> had a friend in the mortgage business and his son made it to the NFL and he was the right size, super talented. Yeah. But if my friend would not have had the provision to hire him a personal chef, sure. a personal trainer, yep. a mindset coach, yeah. like he was telling me, I had no idea what goes into someone who's aspiring to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Like I just assumed it was all how tall you were yeah. and your talent, but it blew my mind when I realized how much money he was investing into his kid to help him get a chance. He actually never made it. He made it to yeah. the... I think they call it the practice squad. Sure. So he made yeah. it pretty f farther than most people. Right. But he ended up still getting cut. Man. Exactly. You know, that, so that's that's interesting. You know, one of the things I saw yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, but Kevin Costner took fifty million dollars out of a property in a uh, mortgage. Yeah. To I fund didn't see to that. fund the movie. Okay. And so I was reading this article and looking at comments, and you know, first pass, a lot of people when they look at that, they would probably think, well, he must be in financial trouble. Right. He must be having some problems. Why would anyone like Kevin Costner need yeah. to take $50 million out of his house? Mm -hmm. But I was, as I was reading, I was like, wow, he's definitely not on a losing streak. Like last yeah. time I checked Yellowstone, yeah, 1883, I, I think they did pretty well. I've heard, I've heard. <laughs> I've yeah. heard too. I don't know if you've heard of those shows, <laughs> but I was just thinking like, you know, and David would probably test this, but most of the people I know that are in the motion picture industry, they don't usually use their money when they create a film hmm. or a TV show, sure. like they're tr they're either getting an executive producer to yeah. underwrite it or multiple executive producers, or in his case, he borrowed money against the property. And I, I was gonna make a video on it, but I couldn't do it in a way that didn't seem sure. super biased. <laughs> but I thought there was a really good principle behind that, which was it takes money to make money. Sure. And if you're in this pursuit of trying to create financial independence, yeah. you know, I doubt he's going to drain his retirement mm -hmm. to create this movie. Yeah. He's going to try to capitalize it and 100%. find a way to fund it. So I think, I think too, it comes from uh, a mentality and, you know, people have it or they don't. And there's different ways people arrive to this mentality. Some it's through their faith journey. They have a strong faith um, in God or whatever. I think, I think some people, maybe carry this naturally. But even so, I've found people who have a faith background um, struggle sometimes with this, but then others get there for different reasons, circumstances. But 
it's this it's this idea of where I would say, do you have an abundance mentality mm-hmm. or a poverty mentality? Mm-hmm. And I think that shows up in our humanity. Yeah. And uh, I believe, you know, deep down, we're intrinsically designed when we really kick all the voices out of the room and we listen to the deep rhythm of what's driving us. Yeah. I think we really want to believe because we do believe that the world is abundant, mm-hmm. which is this idea that it's open, it's not fixed, it's not closed, right? The difference from an open world is a closed world. Yep. And uh, when I operate from an open mindset, which says the, the resources in the world are open to the interaction of our capacity to influence that. Mm-hmm. So they're generative. Mm-hmm. I actually then create resources within the resource of the world yep. because it's not fixed. Then I think I can show up that way yep. because I recognize the money I've earned isn't all the money that I'll ever make. And today it's not all the money that ever will be, that the ability to create money actually speaks to a principle of that money can create more money. It's it's the orchard that exists in the seed. And when you believe that and you operate that way, I think think you show up in a different way and you and you and you build projects. You know, he's he's creating his own movie, but people start businesses. Yeah. You know, people start churches or they start movements or, or causes out of their own money, I think, man, they, they've found something yeah. that I wish so many people would. Yeah. And it, the limitation is what keeps you from doing that. And it's, you know, for someone that wants to start a business, I, I was telling this, one of the team members I have, we had, we have lunch once a week with every team member and we talk about their finances, their you know, their relationship, their friendships, we kind of go through this whole thing and it's a, a really good, good way to check in with them. Sure. And I was just telling her that the reason why so many people that live paycheck to paycheck, which is like 80% of America right, right now, they can't start a business. They can't do a side hustle. They can't, you know, take one of their dreams and try to make it a reality. Right. It's because they haven't found a way to finance it. And it usually has to do with, you know, on a practical level, the debt that they have to service and the income that they have or that don't have. And so that's one of the things I try to help people with that have a poverty mindset that have, you know, they think money is bad or Mm -hmm. if I had the same resources as that guy, then I could do that is say, no, the only reason you don't is because no one showed you how, and you have broken beliefs. You have an equation about money that's wrong. And unless you fix that, even if you have money, yeah. you're probably not going to keep it. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's that's part of how we show up as leaders mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. like fathers and mothers. I don't have to be your blood father to show up as a father. I'm mentoring a young man right now who didn't have a father. And I know I am, I'm speaking into his life on these very things. Mm-hmm. We're talking about budgeting. We're talking about money. In fact, he, he's going away and working on a project right now of going, you know, when I think about money, what unhelpful behaviors do I see showing up in my life? Mm-hmm. And now, and now what he's doing, he's actually is he's he's making that list and then he's writing, what's the story wow. I'm telling myself? And we're digging into that to go, you you will never change your behavior unless you change the story. Yeah. And you can change that story because you're not just a character yep. in your story. You can pop into author mode. 
you're empowered. And man, when we when we give people that voice, I think we we actually awaken the dignity that they were designed with to actually create their future. And that future involves money. Yep. It's vision and provision. I got three boys who who are now launched and they're married. I've got one grandbaby who came, little Willow. I've got another one that could come tonight or this weekend, little Daisy's wow. coming. So, I mean, our, our house is full. I've got one daughter at home still. And these are the things that I'm telling my own kids. Yeah. You know, it, it's not about making all the money and holding it, but as leaders, when you can show up and say, I made this money, but this money isn't just for me, right? Because if I'm just an open mindset, open world, but I don't have any morality driving me, anything yeah. govern me from a source, then what we get in that, expression is we get what we would see the world hates, which is that predatory capitalism. It's that sense of it's all for me because I have no morality. So I just go consume, consume, consume. Mm -hmm. And we see the ugly side of that. And that's what people are revolting to even when we get in the the arguments. But that doesn't mean we can't still shout a message of no, it's open. We just need to have it connected to some morality that says, I show up in someone's life and you're not just a mouth to feed. Yeah. You're poor, but you have the capacity to generate a life because the resources in this world are available to you. Now, just because we have an abundant world doesn't mean everyone has equal access. Correct. So I'm not saying that at all. We right. look out and we know there's not. That's where leadership shows up. Right. When leaders break the rules, what we're really doing is we're breaking the barriers where we see the people we love and lead who don't have access to the stuff they should have access to. That's where leaders kick in and we start breaking those barriers down so that they can actually begin to see the dignity of building their own life. If we just treat them as another mouth from a closed mindset or or no morality, then all of a sudden they're just, they're being disempowered. Yep rather than activated in their design. Yep, held down. Yeah. Follow up to this, and I can hear that the other guest is here, so this is just a suggestion. I'm hearing two things possible to go. Um, for somebody who does have the resources, what's one practical step <clears throat> they can take? And for someone who does not have the resources, what's one practical step they As a question? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. Yeah, yep. Sure. Practical. practical Bring it down. Yeah. Which one practical? If you do have the resources, which one practical steps? If you do not have the resources, which one practical step around the idea of helping and receiving help? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I heard you say was, you didn't say it exactly this way, but you're modeling that for this young man. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know for me, I, my life would not, I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for the mentors my story is exactly. this guy's story, man. Yeah. I did not have a dad growing up and guys like you took me in and you helped me reset my story. Mm-hmm. And you helped tell me a story that was more true than what I believed and right. helped me identify a lot of lies. So, you know, when you're when you're helping people and you're trying to mentor them and specifically in the area of money, what is one practical step for someone that does have some resources, but doesn't know how to take it to the next level? What yeah. would be a practical thing they could do? Yeah. Well, if someone has money, there's there's a lot of stages they could be in, right? So mm-hmm. I always try to sit with them and figure out what what's their belief system because they may still be telling themselves a negative story that's mm-hmm. not. Just because you have money doesn't m- mean you believe 
uh, an abundance, right? right? You just may have a lot of money. So I work, I try to work with that person, but I think the biggest thing someone can do is uh, start thinking about how do I utilize this money to empower others? It's not just for me mm-hmm. and it's not just for my house. I mean, it starts with your family by me, by all means, don't give it all away and not take care of your own household. But you know, we've had these talks with my own kids. It's like, listen, as a business owner, you know, we make good money. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we do well. And it's like, to my kids, we're not putting this all away for you guys. Right. We're actually, and, and we share at the end of the year, we write, we write checks that are sometimes really big checks. Mm-hmm. And we tell our kids and we pull them into that because as they're getting their jobs, we want them to seed into this idea of generosity. Yeah. So I think just learning to share, yeah. be, genero- be generous because those seeds planted, they're, they're not just going in the ground. They're actually creating more. Mm-hmm. than what you planted. The seed plant the seed creates more, yields more. I have a friend who my my main financial coach, mentor, he he's got a net worth of $104 million as of like last week. He's an unbelievable journey. He told us in a group, he said, when things exploded for me financially was when I started being incredibly generous. Yeah. And he's a Christian man, but he really makes things practical. Right. And he kind of takes a religion out of it. Mm-hmm. He said, it just made me more magnetic. Mm-hmm. And he said that, he, he said, let me give you an example. He said, I'm a part of a nonprofit for uh, infants that have this heart defect because yeah. he lost two kids when he was young to this heart defect. So he started a nonprofit with Greg Olson, who is, I think, a announcer for the NFL now and we got to hang out with them a couple times. And so they, they got this nonprofit with all these hospitals across the East coast and the president of this hospital chain invited my friend to come and have lunch with them. So he went up there and he had lunch with them and basically said, thank you for what you're doing. This is really cool. And my friends, he said, what do you do? He said, well, I own a coaching business and I'm a partner in a mortgage company. Mm -hmm. And he said, really? And my, he said, well, would you be willing to come back and, you know, talk to me about the programs for my physicians and my nurses and all these people across multiple states? And he said, as a matter of fact, yeah. I would love to. And it's like, he just talked about how these doors were opening yeah. that he never would have saw had he yeah. not been generous. There's something attractive when you show up to an event, an environment, and the, the people hosting hosting the event, I'm talking about the people opening mm-hmm. their house, carry a spirit of there's enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's enough for everyone. A- anyone, there's a seat at the table for you. You know, my wife and I, when our kids uh, had their teenage, their boys, right? So they had teenage boys. And I mean, they eat a lot of food. That's why Costco <laughs> exists, right? It's for, it's for the teenage yep. sons and the mamas who are feeding them. But I mean, we always made more because we knew someone might show up mm-hmm. and we just, we wanted to carry that spirit there. There's always a seat at the table for you. And I think when you do that, it's like people want to show up. People want to come to our house because they knew they were going to get fed. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you can lose doing that. No, no. I've seen it time and time again. I'm a, I'm a believer, bro. Yeah. Um, so the, the last question I have for you is we're talking about people with the resources and making it practical. Mm-hmm. So let's say we're talking about someone who does have a poverty mindset and they don't have any resources and they don't know where to start. Yeah. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah. I mean, that, that is the story 
I think, of the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know that I have an easy answer for that. If, if you're in that space and you're recognizing, I don't, yeah, this is great, everything you're talking about, but that's not me. I get that. There's barriers everywhere you look. You're surrounded by mountains and you're like, I don't know that I'll ever dig out. I've got generations of poverty. I don't have a father. I don't have a mother. I have all the aces, you know, the things working against me that mm. count as like I should be in jail or I should be a failure. Um, I, I would say, you know, you you still carry in you what I believe is by design the image of God, mm-hmm. right? I do believe that there's something in each person that carries the capacity to partner with God, to do something that's never been done before. And that ache in your heart, that dream that you have, it's there for a reason. And, and I would say, share it with somebody. You know, one of, one of the things that happens to people, including myself, when I feel, um, when I feel like I don't belong, is I hide. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but that, that's my decision to hide. Yep. No one is, no one is hiding me. I'm hiding and I know when I'm hiding, uh, but when I show up and come into the light and you, you ask that guy, Hey, Chris, you know, I know you run a successful real estate business. There's probably a million reasons why you're too busy, but would you mentor me? I don't know that any of us would say no to that ask, especially if we knew the person asking was sincere. But how many people have you actually had ask you that? Yeah, exactly. I very few. Very I could few. Count l- like on half a hand. And it's because they already have told themselves a story that says he'd never do it. He's too busy. Yeah. But I would say if you're that person, muster up that courage and ask because there are more people who want to do that show up at a coffee, mm-hmm. pay for your coffee, pay for your lunch and plant those seeds because they know that type of hunger, my time, your time, it's not going into, into a wasted field. You want to do something with it. Yep. And when I know someone wants to do something with it, they're going to do more yeah. with it than I could ever do myself. Right. I'll never see where that even goes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When this, I heard the, when the student is ready, the teachers appear. Yeah. Right. They're exactly. always, they're probably all around you. Yeah. It's, 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 I have to become ready and willing Yeah. to ask for help and say, I don't, what I'm not getting what I want in life in this area, whatever area it is. And I need to go after people who have what I want. And what's surprising is most people who are successful in any area of life, specifically, we're talking about money. If someone went up to them and ha- asked them that, I sincerely doubt you're going to find very many people yeah. who won't help you because yeah. they have been there themselves. Exactly. And and so I and, saw, go ahead. No, and I, I would just say, and and start to write your vision out. Like, I think, I think sometimes we have a tendency to wait until we get the resources. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that, is it the chicken or the egg? You know, does preparation uh, create opportunity or does opportunity create preparation? And I, I'm of the philosophy that says preparation creates opportunity. When I'm faithful in, in the quiet place, in the secret place, and I can write out the dream, it may be a level one small dream. It's not what it's going to be, but you can do the work. I, I think something happens where all of a sudden you you connect to this person that is the right strategic partner or are they the encourager or activator mm-hmm. in that, you know, but, but if someone showed up at your door and said, I got a million dollars and you haven't got a million dollar vision, he's moving on to the next guy. He is. So do the yeah. work to get that vision going. So when that person shows up, 
you know, you got the perfect timing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for, for people watching, I want to end with a couple of resources. So the first thing someone can do is they can read some books. Yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Millionaire Next Door, mm -hmm. Think and Grow Rich. Like these books, Great books. Yeah. you've read all three of those, I'm uh, assuming. I, yeah. Yeah. They address everything we just yeah. talked about. So if you don't know someone like that, like that's a great place to start is read the stories of other people and you'll find yourself in the story. Right. Um, and then from there, you, the mentors is key. You got to find somebody. They're probably around you. Find someone who has what you want and is modeling healthy money, good money that you think is a good person, a good dad, has what you want in life. Ask him for help. The chances are they'll help you. Dude, thank you so much for being here with me, Mitch. Yeah. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it too. Yeah. Love what you're doing. Thank you. Well, thanks again for watching. This is a Money Hole Podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe, download, and leave us a comment if you would.